0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo Del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. Hey, my name is Fred. I'm really glad to be opening God's Word with you this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them. Uh, don't turn anywhere yet because we're going to turn in a couple places. Um, as you're grabbing your Bible, if you don't have one, if you don't have a phone, if you don't have an iPad, if you don't have something with the Bible on it, there's a Bible in front of you. You can go ahead and grab one. Uh, when you think of generosity, and maybe even bigger than that, when you think of wealth or affluence, uh, what do you think of? When uh, we're, we're, None of us are neutral when we answer that question of affluence or material wealth or just wealth in general it's interesting, I asked that question to uh, our growth group this past Friday, and I had certain ideas about generosity and wealth and affluence, and they threw me off, because they answered in ways that I wouldn't have thought. They've had experiences, they have predispositions, they were grown up, uh, you know, they were brought up a certain way, and so in their head, when they think generosity, wealth, uh, they come from not a neutral position but they come either positive right they came from wealth and they liked how they grew up or maybe didn't come from as much wealth so wealth is a little scary or maybe even a little evil right you think of wealth do you think of a greedy person do you think of somebody that maybe pushes people out of the way to get ahead we all come from different places and different uh roads and um, for me, I'm a consumer, okay? I'm an introverted-only child, okay? So if you know what that means, that those two things mean, uh, in high school, right, well, I have friends, my, my, you know which one I'm talking about, my mom's right there, I had a friend come over, and I'll tell my mom, tell him I'm not here, I'm hanging out with my best friend, me. <laughs> me time, right? Like, I love my time. And I'm an only child, which means they're my parents, my room, my house, my stuff, mine. <laughs> so I, I've been a consumer my whole life. Um, there's a story that I don't know if it's true or not because I was just born. We were at the hospital, and uh, they were trying to figure out if I can go home or not. So they give me a bottle of milk. I like, yeah let's see if he keeps it down. And my, you know, everybody kind of turns around for a couple of seconds. They turn back around, and the bottle is gone. And that ha- that trend has continued ever since. Uh, I was born in December, and so that summer, right? So I was what six, seven months old. Everybody's hanging out, family's hanging out. I'm l- sitting on the couch, and Grandma's passing out popsicles because it's hot. And so who does she skip? She skips a six-month-old baby because she's a good grandma. And so she skips a six month old, and my words out of my mouth are al nene, which you could translate for the baby. Okay? I wanted a popsicle. I was six months old. I already knew. You know, words out of my mouth are give me. <laughs> we all come from a perspective, uh, we all come from either predisposition or how we were brought up. We have an idea on wealth or generosity or affluence. So, for me, it's interesting that I'm opening the word with you this morning about generosity because that's something I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I struggle with it, but I love stuff and I love my time. You know, I, I'll give it away as long as I've gotten mine. And so, as we're opening the word this morning, do me a favor. Can we pray? For one another. You can pray for me too if you want, and then we'll get into it. Father God, we do come with a posture of humility, of wanting to learn. We are so well off historically, globally, but our sin gets in deep, and our perspectives get skewed. And we like to put ourselves in a victim role. Or in an I need more role. God, may the meditations of our hearts, the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. You are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our rock and our Redeemer. So, Spirit, do something fresh this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All Alright, I don't have pulpit, so we'll do it like this. Uh, Go to Genesis chapter 1. We start at the beginning. If you don't know where Genesis 1 is, don't worry about it. Go to page 2 in your Bible. Or somewhere around there. Maybe even page 1. God has something to say about our generosity, our affluence, what we have with the material world. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 26 quickly. I hear pages rip. I love that sound, right? The words being open. We're getting to hear from the Lord. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. First thing that comes after that. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Go to Verse 28. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That is what uh, can be called the creation mandate. Okay, that's the cultural mandate that we have that God said, I have made you in my image in my likeness. You are to be a mirror. We love because God is loving. We don't lie because God is true. Everything we're supposed to be is because God is. And everything we're not is because God is not. And this continues in Genesis 2. We're going to be in verse uh, 15. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. Uh, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And keep it. We're not just to consume God's creation. We're to be active participants in God's creation. We are to produce and sustain. So that's big because we need to know what God has in store for us. We need to know that everything that's around us, we have been made for a particular purpose. That you are not equal to everything around you. That you were put in a particular place in a particular time for a specific purpose. I was too. That we may do something with what God has given us. God made everything, and then God made humanity and said, "Okay, now do something with what I have made. Do something with what I have given you." So they tasked me with the question, uh, with the the topic, answering the question, why generosity. So why should we be generous? are looking for a title of the message. Uh, that's essentially the big question that we're answering. Why generosity? And so I wanted to go there first because we need to have that in the back of our mind. God made me. God made everything. And God made me for a specific purpose with the things around me. That I'm not just supposed to consume or get swept by culture or the world or whatever i think but i actually have been given a purpose and a command by god to do something productive and to do something that's life-giving with the things around me so i want to do just really quick three principles um that are biblical principles on this concept of generosity or stewardship Uh, and the first one is going to be this i belong to the lord so this morning this has been helpful for me Principles of generosity, I belong to the Lord. And that comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 6, which says this You who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. This changes everything. If we're Jesus followers, we don't call the shots, we don't make the plans, we don't have authority, final authority. We're not the ones that make the final decision on our life, our purpose, our activities, our bank accounts, our schedules, our calendars we belong to Jesus. So when we belong to Jesus, we defer to him first and foremost with what do you want? Because I am not my own. That's huge because principle number two is this. I am the Lord's steward. Okay, I'm the Lord's steward. And that comes from 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Quick uh, 1 Peter chapter Do we have that up on screen? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That I am supposed to steward. And this is a, uh, I have responsibility, okay, for what God has given me. Uh, I work in in law enforcement when we have um, burglary alarms in in the middle of the night, right, businesses. We uh, show up and let's just say... It's a false alarm, but the alarm keeps going off. So we need somebody to come from the business and open it up to reset the alarm. We would radio in, you need to call a responsible. Not the owner, because the owner of a business, the owner of Starbucks is not going to come down to turn off an alarm in the middle of the night, right? He's got those that are responsible. Responsible for his things. Responsible for his stuff. And he says, you know what, Mr. Assistant Manager? Guess what your responsibility is? 3 a.m., two-list PD calls, get up, get out of bed, drive, four buttons, and go home. And maybe I'll pay you overtime. Okay? We are God's stewards. We are God's responsibles here on earth. So God made me, God put me on earth, and he said, responsible. You're a steward. When Jesus' grace comes into my life, and he has changed me, whatever area he has changed in my life, I am now a steward of it. If he has been loving, I am to love. If he has given graciously to me, I am to be be gracious to others. So as each has received a gift, serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And the third principle is this, all I have is God's. I share this verse with my growth group because it's been r- absolutely wrecking me. Um, it's in Deuteronomy. When you're talking about generosity and stewardship and wealth, you always have to go Old Testament. makes it more legit. So, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 through 18. Beware, lest you say in your heart. This is, this is mind-boggling to me. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. I need to, like, put that on a sticker. I, it is he who gives power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant. You're not smart because you're smart. You're, you're smart because God made you smart. You're good with money because God made you good with money. You have abilities and talents and passions, not because you're you, but because God made you who he wanted you to be. That's, that's big because that's me. That first sentence is me. My power and the might of my, my hand have gotten me this wealth, this time, this talent, this house, this job, this career, this life. It is He who gives you power to get. It is He who gives us power to have. So those are the three principles. I belong to the Lord. I am the Lord's steward. And everything I have, including the source of my ability and the source of my power, is God's. And you see that in the early church. If you're in a growth group, you're going to look at these passages uh, uh, when you meet. But there are two particular passages in the in the book of Acts one is when the church starts getting together and gathering after Jesus resurrected and ascends into heaven and gives the Holy Spirit, that uh, they get together and they realize that certain people need certain things and certain people are wealthier than others. And the church starts selling their own possessions and giving the proceeds to those that had need. Okay, it's not some like obligatory government tax not going to give away my political position on this kind of forced hand but because the lord loves a cheerful giver when the church gathers because of who they are because of what jesus has done they start giving away that each might have what they need and in acts 19 it's crazy these magicians come to saving faith in christ and they burn all their magic books and they count how much it cost to burn all these magic books and it comes out to 50,000 pieces of silver and you're going to discuss in your growth groups what it looks like to come to faith in Jesus and realize that your wallet is one of the first things that kind of gets opened and that your calendar is one of the first things that you have to start deleting stuff off of and that everything in your life all of a sudden not just your like spirituality gets changed but everything about you begins to change because Jesus has come into your life. That's I mean, what do we celebrate at Christmas, right? The birth of Christ. And what do we do? We give gifts. At Easter, unfortunately, we have bunnies. But other than the bunnies, what else do people do? They give Easter baskets. I just wonder if as Christians, we we can't help as Christians when we think about Jesus to give. Whether it's his birth whether it's his death and resurrection, whenever somebody thinks about Jesus, they think of giving. And it's interesting that that's what our culture has actually grasped, grasped, right? And grabbed onto. There's something so sweet. There's something so loving. There's something so tender that faith actually leaks out into the practical of life. That faith is not just what I do on a Sunday morning, but that faith is, it leaks into everything into every area of my life, including my calendar, including my future, my ability, and my auto pay, and my online pay. I realized I don't even have a checkbook. I can't answer the, like, I can't even use that example. Like, your checkbook? I don't have one. Um, yeah, I just, I don't. I have my phone and my computer. It's probably dangerous. I understand that. But anyway, um, Matthew chapter 6, I want us to go there as we continue to answer the question why generous. I hope we're starting to see some of the, of the principles there. But I belong to the Lord, I'm the Lord's steward, and everything I have is the Lord's. And, and it's a mark of the Christian faith to be generous. So those are some of the reasons why. But I want us to look at the words of Jesus this morning because there's nowhere else better to go. And uh, because... What we're all about here at Paseo Del Rey Church is transforming people into fully devoted followers of Dave Ramsey. No, Uh, Jesus. So Jesus, Dave Ramsey is this financial guru, guru, and he's great, and he's got some great (laughs) principles. But I don't want to just like, and that's not the goal of this series, okay? The goal of this series is not just for financial generosity. And I know like sometimes we're like cynical, and we think, oh, the church just wants more money. That's not what it is, okay? I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that simple. We're not after wallets. We're after souls, okay? And so what happens is our mission is to have to, to, to partner with God for fully devoted followers of Jesus. So we should go to the words of Jesus to hear what does he have to say about generosity. And so if you have gone into your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, We're going to be in verses, uh, or 6, sorry, uh, 19 through 24. Uh, I'm looking at my Bible in Matthew 5. The context of the passage we're going to be in is the Sermon on the Mount. Crowds come up to him. The disciples come to him. And verse 2 of chapter 5 says that Jesus opens his mouth and begins teaching. And he teaches about what the blessed life looks like. That Right, It's the Beatitudes, very famous discourse of Jesus, that we are to uh, live a certain way and be a certain kind of people if we are to follow Jesus. And then he starts talking about certain topics like anger and lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, loving your enemies. And he's adding, a, a, he, he is disrupting the religious norm of the day. He's saying, you have, been, you have heard it said, right? It, it's all about obedience. And he goes, I want to I raise this bar a little higher. It's not just obedience, but motivation. So don't murder. Okay, good. Uh, don't hate either. Okay, Don't commit adultery. Okay, and don't lust either. So he's raising the bar on these topics. And then he starts talking about spiritual practices, chapter 6, giving to the needy, and the Lord's Prayer, right, so famous. When you're to pray, pray in this way. And he talks about fasting, and when you fast, fast in this way. And then we get to our passage, and he talks about treasures. So the first lesson for us on generosity is not just from what Jesus says, but also when and how Jesus said it. And that's this. Generosity is discipleship. So you're following along in your message notes. Generosity is discipleship. Generosity, Jesus is teaching us, is in the context of this discipleship manual. So we we love to say, Oh, well, yeah, I need to work on my Bible time. I need to work on prayer. I need to work on the... Another measure, and maybe Jesus will say one of, the, one of the top measures of spiritual vitality is what we do with what we have. That's a little uncomfortable for those of us that have a lot. When you're going through some of these passages, depending on who you are and what you have, there are uncomfortable parts of the Sermon on the Mount. If you struggle with anger and Jesus starts talking about anger, you're like, so let's talk about lust. And you're like, let's turn the page. Retaliation, let's talk about anger, right? Like, we, Jesus gets to money and he says, this is part of your spiritual development as well. What you do with your time, what you do with your talent, what you do with your treasure has as much to do as your faith with Jesus and your walk with Jesus as bible reading and and, like just (laughs) i don't want to (laughs) i don't want to because i have a really nice car and and here's what we're all afraid of we're all gonna have to move to africa own one t-shirt one pair of jeans and like give it all for jesus and that really makes us ask the question is this worth it Do I really believe it? It, Yeah, generosity is good. No, generosity, Jesus isn't saying generosity is good. Jesus is saying generosity is part of your discipleship. Jesus is saying what you have on the calendar is part of how you follow me. What what you spend your money on is part of how you follow me. The bar just got raised quite a bit. It's Jesus' time. It's Jesus' money and it's my responsibility. And now stewardship or generosity is an act of followership. I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I want to follow Jesus. That changes everything. So, what does Jesus actually say in Matthew 6:19 through 24? He says this, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth And rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lesson two is this from Jesus: generosity shows our priorities. What's crucial to my happiness has changed. There's a passage in. The book of Philippians where Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and says to live is Christ and to die is, if you know it, to die is gain. That's because what Paul wants the most is not here, it's there. And this is, that's the practical application of this passage. I'm not so interested in the things here. My priorities are not in the things here that I'm actually looking forward to going there. Because that's how much I have valued what's there. Some of you might have already the question, well, what are treasures in heaven? You can ask your growth group leader. um, Because we're not going to talk about that. Because here's the deal. Uh, There's something more important here than getting into that, well, what's my treasure in heaven? Because if we're asking that question, we're probably not in the right mindset. Um, What Jesus is saying is, You have treasures. You've been given things. Time, talent, treasure. Time, talent, money. Your schedule, your calendar, your abilities, your job, your opportunities, your bank. You've been given it, and you have a choice. Am I investing it here, or am I investing it in heaven? Am I investing it here, or am I investing it in heaven? And and what Jesus is doing is he's kind of like a, a market timer, right? Like the stock market, people that... Look into the market and they tell investors, Get out, because it's about to go downhill. Jesus is coming to his disciples and saying, I'm looking at the market, get out, because this ain't going to last. Jesus is saying, Be wise with your investment, be wise with what you have, with your opportunity, with your calendar, with your checkbook, and use it wisely. Spend like you know where you're going to spend eternity. Schedule, schedule your life like you know where you're going to spend eternity. Make decisions like you actually believe there's a heaven. Spend your money like you actually believe the words of Jesus. To the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do we believe that? Because if we don't, then we'll invest here. And our return on investment is going to be here. And is it no wonder that the next passage that Jesus teaches on is anxiety? He's like, listen, if you invest here, I got something else I need to talk to you guys about anxiety. This is why you're stressed out of your stinking mind. This is why you can't sleep at night. This is why you're too busy comparing yourself to others. This is why you're so busy working for your family that you never see them. Because you think here is where it's all at, and you think here is where it ends. I don't care what you believe about heaven. I don't care what you believe about when Jesus is coming back, a thousand years and all the millennialisms. Cool. You have theology. Do you actually believe it? Do you spend your money? Do you spend your time? Like you actually believe the words of Jesus that this isn't it, that this isn't the only thing we have, right? And that's what happens. You know, Kate and I have all kinds of conversations about how we're tight on money in our new cars, Right? Like, we're so busy, we've got to go out to dinner, uh, we've got to work on the house, right? And, and those are not bad things, but let's be real. We've got 24 hours, we all do. We're just choosing it, some of us to spend it one way, some of us to spend it in another. Work on your house, so your wife doesn't get mad at you when you don't work on the house. But, right, we're not talking about just spending, we're talking about investing, Laying up. We're not talking about like today, you know, you take your kids out for lunch. You're like, you're all getting water. Why? Jesus said to be generous. said to steward well. Don't turn on the AC in the car. Roll the windows up. Some of the kids, you're laughing because that's what you do, right? You tell Jesus said it, right? Dad, I need new shoes. No, you don't. Spending it for Jesus. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the totality of your life. But where you're putting your priorities. That my priority is not first and foremost me. My priority is first and foremost, what does he have for me? And we continue. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? How you see the world and how you see money determines how you spend it. Lesson three is this. Generosity shows our wants. Our wants. Charles Spurgeon has a great quote. He says, you say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it was doubled. Life will not get better with that raise. Your marriage will not get better with that vacation. And your kids will not be more respectful when you give them those toys. And if you have that perspective, it's not your kids that will be frustrated or your spouse that will be frustrated. It's you. If we keep thinking, if I have more, then I'll be happy, we will never actually arrive at happiness. And Jesus says, how your eye perceives the world How your eye perceives your life determines the condition and the health of your heart. Okay? Marketing knows this, right? Marketing knows there's a connection between what you have, how you spend it, and how happy you are. That's why Carlo's evil empire, Apple, tells you every year, like, listen, the iPhone, you're going to unlock it with your face. You know what that means? I'm going to be walking around touching it with, touching a button. And I'm like, I can't believe I have to touch a button. If I was cool, I would have it with my face. I'd unlock it with my face. And what happens? Right when you get the phone, you almost forget what life was like before you had that thing. Right? My car, I left a, a, I shouldn't be sharing this story. I left a rotten banana in my car. Knowingly. Because I was too lazy to go in the trunk, press the button that lifts the tailgate up, and take the banana out. This is confession time. And and now my car kind of smells like rotten banana. You know how excited I was when I got the new car? Very. It's not that big a deal anymore. Because my eye is unhealthy. Because my because there's somebody with a nicer car. Because there's somebody with a better job. Because there's somebody with a nicer family. There's somebody with a kinder spouse. There's somebody with something that I don't have. And the greatest danger, the greatest thing that comes into our souls is, is envy and covetousness. That's why it made it in the top ten of the commandments. Okay? It made it into the greatest hits because when I see something I don't have and I want it, I'm telling God, you messed up. Because remember, he gave us everything we have. So he said, My time, you didn't give me enough time. You should have given me a better job. You didn't give me the, enough opportunity. You didn't give me enough treasure. So Jesus says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye is healthy, you'll be healthy. If how you see the world and how you see your life and how you see your bank account is healthy, you will be healthy. Jesus teaches on money 25% of the time. If we follow Jesus' model on teaching, every first Sunday of the month would be a message on money. The second one would be on hell. And he never took an offering. Because Apple wants your money. They want your soul too, but Apple wants your money. Okay? Disneyland wants your mortgage. Okay? Um, Jesus doesn't want your wallet. He's going after something so much more than that. If Jesus was after your money, every time you teach on money, there'd be an offering. Look for it. You won't find it. But what happens is Jesus is going after something so much deeper because he knows money is so dangerous. There's a list of financial sins in the Bible. Slavery of debt, laziness, leaving no inheritance for your children, coveting other people's success, not providing for your family, and leaving Jesus for heresy so that you can make more money. There's all kinds of sins that come out of a financial view and a perspective of how I see the world that affects my soul. Do we believe that? Do we spend like it? Do we calendar like it? Do we schedule like it? Do we plan like it? This is not just for this year. This is for my soul. This is not just how I budget monthly. This is for my soul. That's why... I don't even know if I should go there. Jesus says in Matthew 5.16, shine your light before others. You can't shine your light if you're too busy comparing yourself on Instagram. OK, you, you can't shine your light before others if all we're doing is wanting what other people have, because then we're not going to actually give anything to them. We're actually just going to want to try to take from them, at least in our head. And that's what marketing I mean, marketing no, knows it. So I'd ask the question to you, is your covetousness drying out your joy? You wish you had more time. You wish you had more opportunity. You wish you had more money. And you think if I had that, my soul would be well. Jesus is saying, it doesn't work like that. Jesus finishes up by saying this. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Lesson four, generosity shows our worship. Generosity shows our worship. There's a sociologist, um, Thorstein Veblen. He had some great insight. I read quite a few uh, things of his uh, preparing for this. Thorstein Veblen coins this phrase, conspicuous consumption. Conspicuous consumption is the uh, idea that we display our status through our leisure that the great sin of the United States of Western culture of the 21st century is this display of status by our display of leisure. That means is I display how good and how well off I am by my social media pictures of my vacations, where I tag myself on social media, what I talk about, how relaxing I've had it, how great that vacation was, that, that consumerism, he, he starts doing some, he, there's a bunch of numbers and stuff, and big words that I, I skipped over some parts and looked at some other stuff. He talks about this idea that what happens is we, we begin to, to see ourselves not just as consumers, and he's, he's making the observation, you're not just consuming, it's more of a worldview, it becomes almost like a religion. And he's he's not a Christian sociologist. He's he's just making an observation. People treat stuff like like religion. He could have. I think he's copying the words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. Goods are not just stuff for us anymore. They carry meaning. What we have, what we have on, what we drive, where we live, what zip code we're at, what our 401k looks like. There must be a way that we need to see money, not as us serving money, but as us serving God and using money. Because if we don't, if we don't have our priorities straight, our soul is at stake. And the Bible doesn't say a lot of good things about rich people. It doesn't. But here's here's the weird part. There's a lot of rich people in the Bible. So how do you balance that? It says don't go after riches. Don't go after wealth. Don't go after treasures. Don't, 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 don't. Well, then how do you explain Abraham or Joseph or Solomon? I know he had some bad times, but, you know. Um, Joseph of of Arimathea is the secret disciple, right? Comes and Jesus gets buried in his tomb. In Romans 8, you have the the Ethiopian Enoch come to faith in Christ. He gets baptized. And he has political power. You talk about the Roman centurion in, in Romans 10. He's a government official. He's got a position of authority. He sends people out to find Peter and bring him. These are people that are wealthy. These are people that are affluent. These are people that have status. So there needs to be a way in which we can pursue God, yet do everyday life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have the answer. That's why there's more messages in this series. I'll just propose this. We need to find that. We need to find that way. We need to find the way where we can be in our culture, in our jobs, we can live our lives, but not give into our lives. Where we don't put when we don't put a number on our soul. When we don't sacrifice square footage for our soul. There's gotta we have to go there. We have to we can be successful, but not for the not at the expense of our soul. I don't know how to do it. Because let me tell you, working in the city of Chula Vista, I, I'm 32 years away from retirement. i got a long ways to go. I know Gary's like, you know. This, is, this series is not for Gary's retirement home either, just so you know. Um, but I, I'm 32 years away. I, I can't really think about retirement. But I work with these uh, more seasoned veterans that are a lot closer to retirement and they're like, you got to invest in this, and Nationwide's going to come, and you do this, 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 and this. I'm like, I have, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I don't want to know. Like, the government takes my money. The union takes my money. All these people in my check take my money. There's no way I'm going to give somebody else money every paycheck so that I see it in 32 years. That's like the dumbest thing Ever. <laughs> And I wonder if that's what we say to God. I don't know if I'm going to make it there. I don't even know if that's real. I don't know if I really believe it. There is no way I'm giving you my time. There is no way I'm giving you my cash. There is no way I'm giving you all of me. Because I don't even know if I'm going to make it there. I don't know if I'm going to work at the PD for 32 years. And if I don't. And I gave this money away. I just go, like, I can't do that. And they're like, well, no, no, no. They don't spend it for you. They invest it for you. And I wonder if that's what God is saying. I I didn't give you this money to spend it. I gave you this money to invest it. And I'm going, God, I'm good. Thank you. And I'm taking off. I can't serve two masters. I cannot serve me and God. I cannot serve God and money. And that's the last lesson for us in terms of generosity is that generosity is strength. Generosity gives us the strength to let go of the things of earth, to have strength to grab onto the things of God. Generosity allows us to say, I'm not investing in this, this is not my priority. My eyes need healing, my soul needs cleansing, my calendar needs emptying, my heart needs opening, and it's the strength to let go of the things here that I may have the strength to grab onto the things of God, because that's the gospel. The gospel is He gives you everything, and we're cosmic thieves, and we say, thank you very much, and we're out. And God comes and he pursues and he runs after thieves and he pays an ultimate price for you and for me. And God keeps on giving. It's like he didn't learn his lesson. He gives us Jesus. He gives us the church. He makes us part of the church. He gives us gifts. He gives us the spirit. I would just ask us, let's let's not commit cosmic theft twice. Let's not be repeat offenders. Jesus came and rescued us From our life of crime and taking what's his and spending it on ourselves. He's given us gifts. He has given us each other. Not to spend it on ourselves, but to give it to others. That's why we're generous. Because it frees our soul. It frees our soul up. To not say, I don't know if I don't believe you. I don't know if you're true. I don't know if it's real. It allows us to put our money where our mouth is. Say, this is not it. I'm going there. Do we believe that, Paseo? Do we believe that when the lightning of grace comes, the thunder of generosity should come? When God's gracious to us, we are gracious to others. When there's lightning of grace, there's thunder of generosity. Do we believe that? Do we want that? Do we want that to be true of us? In Ephesus, in Acts 19, the story I told you about the magicians burning all their books, there's a riot afterwards. Because the world is never the same. When they see the thunder, they hear the thunder. See the thunder, hear the lightning. Is that how it is? No, it's the other way around. You know what I meant. You so know what I meant that you're correcting me. When Jesus shows up, people notice. When you show up, do people notice? Your time. Your time talent and your treasure. That's what God wants for us. Freedom. Amen.